Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, a conversation where good thoughts help renew the mind with the Word of God. I'm Charlie Carter, and I'm here with Tim Little and Andy Stearns. Let's jump into the conversation. Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast. I think this is episode 85. We're into the summer episodes now, so you've had a couple of episodes where I haven't done the introductions. It's nice to get back to normal. It does feel like familiar, like seeing an old friend, you know? Yeah, this is nice. And uh, so, yeah. If you had to rank us, Charlie, between Tim and I, what kind of grade would you give us? Here we go. Rankings are important. What about grades? So here's what we're going to talk about today. (laughs) You won't do it. We're going to talk about kissing, and we're going to talk about Colossians. (laughs) And they're not related. I don't know if the, I don't know if the listener if we, we haven't got any feedback on well we kind of did get some feedback on zombies and Moses yeah that was there was a lot <laughs> so the summer titles since we're just doing a book and a devotional the idea is just here's what this was about and here's what this was about <laughs> so it's really simple so today kissings and kissing and Colossians so unless there's anything else we want to talk about I uh, I have a new sticker. We have a new sticker. Well, I want to tell them about that. Yeah. So Matt Telosa, one of our listeners and a pastor uh, in Minnesota, he designed a horrendous sticker. And so uh, <laughs> if you want a horrendous sticker, we got a shipment of them. They're in the bookstore. Here, you know what I'm going to do? Since we had that meeting yesterday about social media, I'm going to go to our Instagram page right now. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to take a picture of the horrendous sticker. Okay. You do that. And uh, they can get these in the bookstore? Yeah. They're in the bookstore. Okay. Should I, should I make a post? how i do this i'm not very uh savvy so anyway books and business oh yeah as always we have some thinklings business i'm, I'm gonna, i have we still recording so yeah. oh yeah we're still that's recording. why i'm like let's keep going here <laughs> you thought we stopped recording? <laughs> yeah I, I pulled up facebook i'm no, like trying no, to respond to a not, comment not even a little bit um oh, sorry so. listener i know you don't care about this but charlie <laughs> thinks it's great but I don't know how to get my camera to like take. Oh, there it is. There's how I do it right there. So the book that I brought for. Our... Oh, hold on, hold on. We have some Thinklings Business <laughs> 2102. Books and business. Let's talk about a book. A book. The book that I brought is actually The Princess and the Kiss by Jeannie Bishop. A story of God's gift of purity. Uh, so I've been writing on the Song of Songs, Do Not Stir Up Nor Awaken Love. It's a refrain within the Song of Songs. Uh, instilling that in your children, especially when a culture is constantly communicating a different message, a message where love is good, awaken it as soon as you can or want, and enjoy it for uh, even during your single years. Unfortunately, what accompanies that awakening is a lot of heartache, a lot of emotional um, baggage. And so this book, uh, The Princess and the Kiss, actually encourages, it's specifically written to uh, little girls, uh, encourages them to not kiss a stranger, uh, but to save their kiss for their wedding day. So um, it's, it's a set in a medieval, it's a medieval setting. And so you have a princess and all of these various print, uh, um, young men are coming and they want to marry her and so it's kind of trying to shape the values of the the little girl and the reader so it's it's a little cheesy but the message that it's at least communicating is a theologically consistent message and we've talked about art in uh, on our podcast quite a bit 
and how there's two different aspects of art. The message needs to be theologically accurate, and then the aesthetics needs to be excellent as well. Well, I would say that this book gets the the theology right, um, well, for the most part, and but the the aesthetics could probably use a little bit of enhancement. It is an older book, but still, you know, when the world is constantly bombarding uh, young people that about kissing, kissing's okay, and then even when we have a play on our campus that ends with a phys- form of physical affection, you know, people start to think, hey, you know. Is this okay? I don't Even the Christians. Any physical affection at the end of a Christmas Carol. I, don't I think know there what was you're an. Referring to. I think there was an. Oh, not that one. There was a near miss at one yeah, point. You just sound really there? prideful about this whole kissing issue. You shouldn't be prejudiced <laughs> to people who express their emotions in different ways. My nerves can't handle this. I just I can't handle this with my nerves right now. <laughs> so even when children attending said production are. Uh, sitting with parents and then they see even a play at Faith Baptist Bible College uh, that culminates in a specific way. It is communicating a message to those children. Hey, you know what? Oh, this is what people who like each other, love each other, are going to get married or whatever are going to do. When I really do believe God's design is that uh, kiss should be for the wedding day. And so uh, that's what this book articulates and communicates. And I would encourage that to be articulated in, in kids. I think there are a lot of people that would agree with you on that assessment and maybe even well no i need to be careful this is this is public and going to be posted <laughs> and uh maybe my friends who i've never named would listen to this and uh that was really funny that you just called your friends those who've never been named it sounded a lot like he who must shall not be named for oh, just that, a split second that's 100 percent intentional oh <laughs> okay so there's One of a... my greatest friends from the play <clears throat> is Voldemort. Seriously? I uh, know. Oh. <clears throat> However, that would be a great nickname. That would be. If you needed a nickname, that would be a great nickname. Yeah. So there's an accompanying book, The Squire and the Scroll, and that one's more for young men or for little boys. I've not read that one, but uh, those two titles that could interest you uh, for our summer read. Okay, that's what I've got. Can I, can I say something about The Squire and the, and the Scroll? Go for it. I don't know anything about it. So this is so this past week, there was a wedding. Of Sawyer Gogarty and Karina Fritz, now Serena Gogarty. Serena. <laughs> Serena. <laughs> Sorry about that. Karina Gogarty. And uh, so, way back in the annals of time, when Charlie was in high school, he was not a believer. Uh, there was this guy that was pretty influential in his life. His name's Brandon Fritz, Karina's dad. And there was one day, I think it was like the summer of 2006 summer of 2007. So if you do the math on Karina, she's probably like five or six at this point. And the rest of the kids are like, you know, three, four, like they had four at that point. Morelli was like a newborn almost like she couldn't walk like a toddler ish. And, uh, I had some things going on in my life. I really needed to talk to Brandon. So I remember he had told me, well, here's my, here's my address. You can come over whenever you want. I'd never been to their house before. And so I just went there, drove out there, was like, I need to talk to Brandon. And he wasn't there. (laughs) Hey, come over. Natalie, who I had never met, was there. And the four girls who I had never met. But Brandon, I think, had been telling his girls about Charlie and to pray for Charlie and things like Karina, probably the most cognizant of the group at this point, like, I think understood 
like who this guy was like, Oh, we've prayed for him. And so I show up, I was, I was kind of a hot mess. I'd been crying, like I had some family issues going on. And so Natalie's like, well, Brandon's not here. I'll, I'll get, a, I'll call him. I'll get a hold of him. Just, you can sit on the couch, just hang out. So she's trying to get a hold of Brandon and guess where Brandon's at? Church. That's a good guess. What's the next school well, work? Excuse the school. That's work. another good guess, but that's not where he was. <laughs> well, we're, the we're striking out. Here. The gym. Oh, Brandon's at the good. gym. Oh. And uh, so swole. she's trying to get a hold of Brandon <laughs> and Karina. They had this little hallway down to all their bedrooms. And Karina and Kirsten came and poked their heads around. Oh. And like looked out. And they're like, oh, Charlie's here. And like they, I mean, I maybe met him like once, maybe. <laughs> and they like, you know, they hear the feet going all the way back down the hallway to their bedroom. They run all the way back out. And it's Karina. I'm sitting on the couch. Karina runs out. Kirsten runs out. And then Eliana comes. Eliana's like maybe three. She's like, and she's dragging her sister Morelli. Morelli can't walk. It's hilarious. <laughs> and Karina, they all get there. And like, it's like the presentation. Like they're all there. Right? Have this book. And Karina's like, Charlie. Will you read this book to us? <laughs> and that book was Princess and the Kiss, The Squire and the Scroll. Oh, The Squire and the Scroll. Seriously? Yep. Wow. Oh, that's funny. And, uh, <clears throat> and so you, you know, that's my first interaction with those oh. books. And Did you read it to them? I did read it to them. <laughs> and uh, that is awesome. So it's a, it's a cute really cool. little cute yeah. little moment with the Fritzes there. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, so and I think for young kids, I think The Squire and the Scroll, those those books, I do think they teach virtue really well. When you were reading that, did Kirsten ask you like why fifteen times? So were you reading the book? <laughs> I don't remember that. But oh, okay, I was just curious. Okay. Yeah, probably. very nice. Very nice. Anyway, let's get let's get to so anyway. <laughs> if the, any of the Fritzes are listening to this, you know, I appreciate and love all of you. So anyway, uh, let's go to Colossians. Yeah. So uh, this summer, I'm going to work through Colossians three with you, and so we're just going to start off in chapter three, verse one today, and we'll go a ways in. Colossians is one of my go-to sanctification passages if I want to think through what, what's going on inside of me and what's going on inside of you. And there's a lot of these passages. I use this in Intro to Bible Study as one of the main four passages we study when we're doing Bible study methods. So that uh, the other four are also sanctification passages. It's Ephesians 4, Galatians 5, and Romans 12. <clears throat> and so it's helpful. And you can learn a lot about what's going on. So let's just go ahead and read through this. Let me get my notes up here. If then you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Verse 5 then goes on to say, put to death and to put off a number of vices and give some reasons for that. And then when you get down to verse uh, 12, you get the converse command to put on and then a bunch of virtues related to the new life. And then at the end, the last three verses are sort of like general commands that are all centered, I think, on gratitude. So this week, we just want to walk through the first two verses and get an idea of what is uh, going on here. So first off, and I'll maybe have some questions for you guys. Um, it starts off by saying, if then you have been raised. Now I'm looking at the ESV. Tim, do you have New King James up? I do. Does it say then or therefore? Then. Okay. 
So the NASB, when I first memorized this, it was it said, therefore, if you have been raised with Christ. And I like that, and that's okay. The word then or if then is communicating the same thing. But what I want to point out is that right there, it says, if then something has happened, and then he gives some commands. There's a element of thinking or logic at this point that the reader is required to engage in. So when Paul says, hey, if you've been raised with Christ, pause really quick. Who's he writing this book to? Christians or non-Christians? I mean, okay, there's a couple of ways I could answer well, that it's question. Christians. Yeah, it's Christians. Okay, how, how would you answer that? So, so, so the way the way that you were kind of positioning that question, like the, the logic that the reader has to have, is it actually could be both, but they have to make a judgment like, is this me? Oh, yeah. Yep. Like <clears throat> if you've been raised, I think the, the logic would be like yep. asking the question of that, like, have I? Have I been raised with Christ? Which yet yeah, he's writing to believers. Yep. And I think it'd be interesting to look at the conditional clause there. If you're a Greek nerd, it's probably the conditional clause that expects a yes answer. So that's when he says, if, I don't think he's... A first-class condition, which is assumes a truth for the sake it, of argument. I was going to say the first class, but I couldn't remember if it was first or third. I thought first was... I don't right. know if that's correct. I just think it is. It sounds smart. <laughs> I think it is first. I think a first-class condition... Because it's like the expects a yes. The assumption of a truth for the sake of argument. Yep. Yeah. I think So I think that's it. And But still, nonetheless, if Paul says to you, hey, if you've been raised your brain still immediately has to do one of two things. Either ignore and wonder why he's asking this question or ask, wait, have I been raised? Oh yeah, I have been. Wait, did he not know I've been raised? It's kind of like when God's walking in the garden and says, hey, where are you guys? And if they'd really been thinking about it, they would have known God already knows this. So I think it's, it's just a little demonstration that Paul expects you to have to do some thinking while you study the Bible. And that's okay. And that's okay. So, listener, this summer, you should dive into God's Word and study it. You don't have to get as deep as humanly possible. But if as you walk down the path of studying God's Word, you find that you have to do a little bit more thinking than you expected, that's actually okay. In fact, I think a lot of times Scripture expects you to think. And as we go through this passage this summer, you're going to see other places where Paul is going to mention stuff about your mind and your heart and your soul. And it's not simply we read and... There's no activity going on in the mind. It's it's meant to get you to think. And if once you handle this, then you're ready to go, like say something like the book of Proverbs and really get deep into the thinking. So my, my point here is that it's a logical response. Hmm. And to get logical response, you have to be able to engage in a little bit of logical thinking. Now he says, if you've been raised with Christ, and then he gives commands. Now this entire passage is essentially three types of commands. The first section are, mind or heart commands like this is what you should be aiming your life at the second section is this is stuff you need to be putting off and putting away and the third section is this is stuff that needs to be you need to be putting on in your life but none of that comes until he brings up what happened to you at salvation right at the get-go why are you able to follow the lord and set your mind on things above because of what he's done for you. You've been raised with Christ. If you hadn't been raised with Christ yet, he couldn't give you this command. Now, many times as Christians, we approach it the opposite direction. We do these commands because we think, oh, we got to do this to make God happy with us. And But it's really not that. Like, if that was how it was, then that's how salvation would have worked. 
and we never would have been able to pass that test. Mm. So right here at the beginning, we're seeing that he's going to give us commands, but those commands are based on what he's already done for us, and it's logical to respond this way. It would make perfect sense. In Romans 12, Paul says, uh, he says similar things to similar effect, and he ends saying this is your logical response. So perhaps this week, listener, for one day, if you're doing your devotions and you're not really sure what to do, maybe take 20 minutes and just pause to reflect what all has happened when God saved you. What are Mm. all the things that are different now that wouldn't have been if he hadn't saved you? What would you be doing in life if he hadn't saved you? Where would your hope be in life if he hadn't saved Mm. you? And don't just think now, think like in in 5,000 years, what would be going on right now if he didn't save you? Mm. And let that economy in your mind be the thing that brings gratitude up in your heart to where now you you see it, it it's logical it makes perfect sense the therefore makes makes me say hey look at what he's done for me i should aim my whole life at him i should submit my whole life to god and i should serve him there's no area that should be off limits for me changing for the lord now we've only looked at like the first seven or eight words but i think taking seriously what the scriptures say can help us to really meditate and understand the text. Now, he says, if you've been raised with Christ, and then he gives a pile of commands here. And so all we want to do for the rest of this little devotional is look at these commands. So the first word here is the word seek. Seek the things that are above. And here's where I'm going to ask my fellow workers here. (laughs) And Charlie just had Tim mute. Sorry, you didn't see that listener. I'm going to ask you guys a question. So here's you, the word seek. Now we could do this in English. We could just, what's it mean to seek something? It means you found, you need to find something you've lost. Or we kind of get the idea that when we're seeking the things above, that's not what God's talking about. He's talking about more than just finding something that's lost. So I'm going to give you the, the Greek definition to the word. It means to devote serious effort to realizing one's desire or objective. Other ways you could translate this would be to strive for a thing to aim at a thing or to try to obtain that thing or that desire or that wish. So where are like you guys, where are places in our day-to-day lives where we are striving to realize some objective? What would it look like? So our listeners, I'm about to tell them that the Bible says you should be striving with serious effort toward the things that are above where Christ is. But what are the things they might now be seeking after? Some could be good. Some could maybe not be good. So can you restate the question? Yeah. The definition of this word, which we understand in English. I'm just giving you the Greek one, but we could have gotten here from English. Is to devote serious effort to realizing one's desire or objective. Where are places so is where it, is it, is it we devoting give serious desire effort? to realizing? Or Ser- is it just areas that we're devoting effort? Devoting serious effort to realize one's desire or realize one's objective so, like okay. realize not like to realize your desire is like to make get it your desire yeah, you really get. want this so. so where are you yeah. putting lots of effort into something serious effort to obtain the thing you want there you go serious effort to obtain the thing you want where, okay where do our where do we and our listeners demonstrate that we already know what that's like because we do that okay so for for myself mm-hmm. right now i am putting a lot of effort into my health so every morning I'm thinking about you need to eat these things and you need to do these steps and you need to 
Like last night I cooked all my food for the week. Like, why did I do that? Well, like that's serious effort. How long did that take you? Uh, a couple of hours. Wow. Cooked that's serious effort, a bunch actually. of fish and a bunch of steak and like portioned Ooh. it up because it's, it's serious effort. And what's mm -hmm. the goal? I want to, I want to eat the right amounts of things and be healthy. So there's, there's an area. That's really good. And that's a really good example because that, that the serious effort there is, and also, is seen. Oh, go ahead. I'm crushing it, by the way. Yeah. Anyway, dude, so that's awesome. I'd throw that in there. So that's serious effort because it demonstrates the length of time it took you to do that. And also, that's not easy. Cooking meat, you got to get it just right or it's undercooked or overcooked. Okay, that's good. Okay, I like that a lot. And I'll probably, that was a financial investment too. I mean, it's it's cheap and easy to buy boxed junk. Yeah. It, so Especially in this inflated economy. I mean, how much information do you want? Like, I'm having some joint pain way to solve that one oh, of the yeah. many ways is like mm -hmm. oh you need omega-3 yep. where do you get omega-3 uh probably the most common way you eat omega-3 is through fish mm -hmm. and you go to high v and you try to buy a fish and it's like well that's Ooh. more expensive than you know the tube of burger a couple aisles down yeah. you know so <laughs> uh yeah it was more expensive than i thought it was going to be but it's worth the investment yeah and i will say in this inflated economy i've never ever ever wished more that Tom Brady would come back and, you know, because if, if he came back right now and he was like maybe involved oh, in politics, brother. he could deflate it a little. Give that me a break. So <laughs> I knew Sorry. it. I saw it coming. You did. Tim saw All it coming before Charlie you did. You need to get Elon Musk. <laughs> oh, boy. And you need to get Jeff Bezos, like all these rich people, and they all just need to donate like 1% are... of their own money. <laughs> and like, this is the de-inflation fund, the deflation fund. And, and this, just throw it at the economy and like to raise, to, to lower all the prices down. We need to devote some serious effort to realizing this desire objective that we have. There you go. Oh, that was okay. That was a they good. They need to buy in. They need to buy in. You know, these rich people need to buy in. Oh, I shouldn't have made the joke during the devotional. That was, but this is good. This I is was trying good. to bring us back. You I think did. that's the real issue is the, the buy in. Hold on. I, I read his Tim. definition. I say we give Tim two points because he literally did that was a good segue and he brought us back on task i think you get two points tim oh thank you all right so you but you had one too so how would you what was the way we or did you i thought you looked like you were about to say something i was just trying to think through what am i devoting myself right now with serious <clears throat> effort into realizing an objective i mean right now i'm i'm basically just doing my jobs it's mm -hmm. not not really uh and i'm devoting serious effort to get our book written so those are kind of some objectives that are things Good. that I'm seeking. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, I guess that's all I've got though. No, that's okay. So that's, I think in both of those, you see that the, we already live in a way where we know what it means to give serious effort to something. And we weren't, and it's probably okay, but we're not touching the things that we shouldn't be giving effort to. But think about um, when it comes to like my own health, I'm trying, I need to lose some weight. How did I get to the condition that I'm in by putting some serious effort into eating? But it didn't feel like serious effort. It just felt like not disciplining myself to eating every junk food that's in front of me. And But that is actually a lot of effort, and it can flood a consistent effort. So I think um, one of the things you could do if you wanted to, to understand what's going on in your heart here when it comes to what you're desiring, there's an article by David Pallison called X-Ray Questions, and there's like, 25 or 50 questions that he asks that will cut you to your core and it will help you to see what you're striving after in life. 
and I, and I think what's so important here is Paul is about to unload a bunch of negative commands and a bunch of positive commands. And we have, we can very easily aim at those. We can look at the put off, put off, put off, put on, put on, put on. But where does Paul start? He starts at your internal person level. What are you driving after? What are you seeking? What, and essentially, what do you love? Because whatever you love is what you're going to pursue. And what he's saying is you should be seeking the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now, I don't think that means Christ is in heaven, so you need to seek like a heavenly kind of a chair and a heavenly kind of a house and a heavenly kind of atmosphere. Like he's talking about like where Christ is, what happens? His will, obedience, people are submissive to him, they're loyal to him. In heaven, like what's going on? What does Christ want? What is his plan for the ages? And are you pursuing all of those sorts of things? Now, if you're, if you don't love those and if you don't love Christ, or if you do love those and you do love Christ, but you love yourself and other things, then you have competing loves and all of the negative commands we're going to talk about. And all of the positive commands that we're going to talk about are probably going to have mixed results in your life because Paul starts with what's going on inside of you. If you just look back at um, Charlie's series on sanctification, the first sanctification question is essentially getting right here on this one. I think maybe the second one too. Now there's two, there's twin commands here. So you have seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And then the second thing we want to talk about is that command in verse two that says, set your mind on things above. And this verb, if you think about being, having a mindset, I, I've told this story many times, but I was going to a group date as a dance and, uh, our dates were getting ready all Saturday and me and my buddy got together and watched all three parts of the Godfather movie. And we were late, but we wanted to finish the third Godfather, which I would never recommend watching those now. I'm a different person. And so to, to put on a ruse so the ladies would not think we had purposely been late. I set my watch back a half hour. And when we showed up and they were like, where have you been? I was like, we're here right on time. And they're like, you're a half hour late. Now, the illustration works really well because the ruse worked. They believe me. They're like, oh, man, his clock was off. Okay, it's not his fault. Now, my, my friend's conscience killed him, and so he outed me, and I got in big trouble, and parents were there, and it was embarrassing. But why did that work? Because we set our lives according to what the clock says, and we like everything that we do is set along that. So here, there's sort of that idea at your mind level. It means to give careful consideration to something, and to set one's mind on it or to be intent on it. Now you could ask the same host of questions we asked for the former verb here. And maybe reader or listener, maybe do this personally. What's your mindset on? What are you intent on? Are you intent on? Now this is going to give you a little bit different answer than the type of answer we looked at first. Are you intent on, like, let's, Charlie's doing some body shaping. Tim's doing some get all his work done. What's behind those intentions? Well, physical health and stewardship of time. But there's other things too. Man, maybe you're maybe in your job, you're trying to make as much money as you can. Hey, that's really good. That's good for your family. What are you intent on? Is the goal of making all that money so you can be comfortable and happy and have a nice fun life? Well, those aren't wrong things, but what should you be intent on? And here it says to be intent on the things that are above. And then he gives a, a, a negative command, not on the things that are on the earth. 
And so what's on the earth? Again, it's not like an earthly chair versus a heavenly chair, an earthly house during versus a heavenly house. It's, it's saying the value system that this world operates by, the things this world loves, the things this world hates, the things this world's desiring, that's apart from Christ. So are you setting your mind on the right things? Are you intent on the right things? Are you seeking the right things? Remember, if you've died with Christ, he has done the most wonderful thing that anyone could ever do for you because he loves you. It makes the most sense then to turn and let your internal person be set on those things. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Thinklings Podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any feedback, suggestions, or potential topics that you'd like us to discuss, you can contact us through our email, thinklingspodcast at gmail.com. Remember, don't let this conversation end with this podcast. Read good books, talk about them with your friends, and always continue to cultivate your mind. See you next time on the Thinklings Podcast.